It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're fixing to have us a good day. Zach Blackerby, Michael Pappas here with you. This is Locked On Auburn. Excited about today's show. We're going to talk a little NFL draft. Are you ready for it? The draft or the show? Yes. Okay. You ready for both? Yes. Yes, I am. Awesome. Well, let's just jump into it. We're now joined by Russell Brown with CoverOne.net. Russell, uh, you got anything going on this week? <laughs> just uh, some NFL draft stuff, you know. Finally, uh, the week of the draft. It feels like Christmas every day. I can't sleep at night, but uh, I'm excited. Well, that's awesome, man. So you do a great job at CoverOne.net, and you recently put out your big board. It's free. You and I were texting about that yesterday. It's uh, it's amazing that it's free. I think you should charge for it. But uh, uh, you have Derek Brown as the number one defensive tackle, the number four overall player in this draft class. Tell us why. That's a little higher than I've seen most places have him. I know the, the combine wasn't great for him, but if you watch the the tape, you'll see that, yeah, he's a little you know stiff in the hips at times can play a little high when he's going through his club rip or, or pursuing up field, but he's got a terrific motor. I think just the blend of power, the explosiveness off the snap uh, is something that you cannot underestimate in today's game. And at 6'5", 326, and just being a high-character guy, I think teams are going to fall in love with him. I, I think a team like the Detroit Lions is certainly uh, all over him. I think they're definitely doing their due diligence on Jeff Okuda as well. So, I mean, Derek Brown, though, is just, He's so determined in the trenches. He might not give you an elite pass uh, rush production, but overall, I think in stopping the run, he can still be a three-down defensive tackle. He's going to make an impact uh, from day one for sure. Russell, I know you've gone through the top ten a million times, uh, I'm assuming. What is what is the best-case scenario for Derek, and what's the worst case? I'm assuming best case is three. You mentioned the Lions. Yeah, it would be three at, at Detroit, and that's just them not finding a trade partner uh, that – I mean, because we don't really know where Tua's value is at. He's all over the place. He's ninth on my board. Uh, I think that's really a, a likely spot for him, not necessarily Jacksonville, but I think, you know, really set, or six through ten is, is ideal for Tua, maybe a little slippage there, but for Derek Brown, yeah, Detroit's certainly the high spot. The low spot would be Jacksonville at nine. I think he's a top ten pick in this draft. I, I don't see him falling out of the top ten. Jacksonville, they've, you know, they moved on from Taylor's Campbell. They need, I think, an interior defense alignment, uh, and a player like Derek Brown makes a lot of sense. I think Arizona makes a lot of sense as well. Um, but I think that the real sweet spot for him will be Carolina. I think that's going to be the ultimate destination for him uh, if Detroit doesn't pull the trigger. They, they had one of the worst defensive tackle units this past year. Uh, they, they moved on from guys like Vernon Butler. So they, they certainly need a, a defensive tackle. Derek Brown would be a home run for them. As far as him sliding, and maybe he's you know he's there at eight or nine, like you mentioned, possibly as a worst case. Could you see a team, maybe in the late teens, mid teens, possibly trade up for Derrick Brown? Do you see that for defensive tackles a whole lot? I don't think we'll necessarily see it. I mean, it's hard to gauge what exactly the Atlanta Falcons are thinking. Thomas Dimitrov has hinted since his interview with the uh, Bleacher Report guys, uh, you know Matt Miller, the six football guys, excuse me. Um, Matt Miller and Connor Rogers and those guys, he hinted that they're at 16 for now, and then we've heard reports this past week that they are very much aggressively looking into getting in as far as the top five. Now, I think that if, if a guy like Derek Brown was there, or maybe a Jeff Okuda, the Falcons would certainly be intrigued by one of those two types of players to move up and get 
a player like that. I, so I think the Falcons would be really the only team that makes a lot of sense. I, I don't see the San Francisco 49ers doing it. I know that you know they have a need for defensive tackle after the, the Buckner trade, but I think ultimately they're going to move back from 13. I've said that for a while. I think they're going to move back from 31. One of those two picks will move back from. So I, I think Derek Brown, nobody will trade up for him. I just think it's, he's going to fall into the lap of the team in the top 10, and, and they're going to be very pleased. Is there a scheme that you think uh, that you know? I mean, you've you mentioned possibly the Lions, you've mentioned Cardinals, you've mentioned Panthers, Jags. I mean, is there a scheme that works better with Derek Brown, or I mean, when you look at a guy like Derek Brown, it kind of doesn't matter. You can put him in whatever interior position. You could really put him anywhere. I, I like him in an even front. I, I think that way you you don't necessarily always have to worry about the, the chance of a double team. If you put him in, in an odd front, I mean, you're going to have to push him out the defensive end and play, you know, a potential four-eye or a five technique. And I don't really like him outside of the tackle or really on a tackle. I think he could do it. I know he did it at Auburn, and I know they, they ran versatile fronts there, so he was all over. But I really like him, you know, as a three technique, as, as a two-eye, as a zero shade. I think that's really where he's going to be beneficial. And, and even front, you'll see a blend and a mix of that depending on the line stunt and, and what, what's being called and could he be a potential looper on a potential blitz. So I think that's something that certainly you have to consider, but I, I like him that even for, for sure. We'll continue our conversation with Russell Brown with CoverOne.net talking all Auburn prospects and his big board next right here on Locked on Auburn. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Russ, let's move on to Noah Igbenogany, the cornerback. I mean, he, he, this is my favorite, one of my favorite name in the draft class, two my favorite player in the draft class. Super raw, you point that out uh, on your big board that you can get at CoverOne.net. You have him as the 8th best corner, the 56th overall player. That's a little lower than I've seen him other places. What uh, What are your thoughts on Igbenogany? You know, recently I, I did a mock draft last week where I had a bunch of trades, and I actually had him go in the first round of the Tennessee Titans. I think he's an ideal fit there. Um, but my biggest concern is, again, just the, 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 the lack of experience that he has. He's still relatively raw. He's only played this you know, position for two years, uh, but he's a great athlete. There's no denying that. And that 5'10", 198 production that he has, the physicality that he has, he is so physical. I think teams are going to fall in love with that. So I don't know if 56 is, is necessarily the, the best spot in the world for him, but I could certainly see him being in that area, but I could see him going sooner for sure. I, I do wonder, though, is he ever going to develop into the, you know, the, this, the, the cornerback or potential CB1 on the outside. He reminds me a little bit of a Justin Coleman from the Detroit Lions, uh, who plays primarily in the slot, and I think with his athletic ability and the overall you know, lateral quickness that he has, I think he could be a solid fit in the slot. And I think that's, that brings some value, because in today's pass-heavy league, we see so many nickel packages. You're going to run with three corners out there. You're going to see dime backs. you got four defensive backs at the quarterback position. So, I think Noah or Iggy is going to be certainly a guy that his value is going to be all over the place. I could see him go early day two. I could see him fall, fall in the middle of the second round. Um, I, I just think at 56 is where I have him is just simply because of still a little raw, 
doesn't. I, I just don't think he has a natural spot yet in a secondary. A team in the NFL will figure it out, and I think that's going to be in the slot, in my personal opinion. So you said that uh, you did a mock draft with a bunch of trades, and Noah went in the first round. Uh, do you think that is what's going to have to happen? It's going to have to be kind of a wild first round with trades for, for Igbenogany to go in the first round? I wouldn't say necessarily a bunch of trades. I think it's just really where's everybody at with receivers? Where's everybody at with the other defensive backs? And, and where's everybody at with the offensive tackles? What, what talent is being plucked from first? And what talent's being pushed down the board, but also what's you know what's being pushed up the board. I mean, we've seen things where C.J. Henderson is going to be a top ten pick, Jeff Okuda is going to be a top five pick. We've seen that stuff all the last couple of weeks. So if Henderson goes in the top ten, where does that leave guys like Jeff Ladney, Christian Bolton, the possibility of an A.J. Terrell? And if you throw Iggy into the mix, I, I think you, you have to certainly consider um, our team's going to just take him as the value, and, and it's more so the teams with the multiple first round picks that might be able to roll the dice. Um, San Francisco, I've mentioned, they don't have a second pick or you know a day two pick, so they might not necessarily roll the dice, but a team like the Vikings, they've got a ton of picks. So at 25, is it no harm, no foul for them to go after a defensive back like Iggy who might fit in a Mike Zimmer defense a little bit, and I think he does. So the, the Titans were the team that I had him go to just simply because they they need to revamp that secondary. Dory Jackson had a good year, but Malcolm Butler's uh, a shell of his former self. They don't have Logan Ryan anymore. They need to get into defensive back. I felt like just in a, in a Mike Vrabel defense, he makes a lot of sense. So it, it really just depends on, on what positions, again, are, are going to be pushed up the board and, and how many defensive backs we really see taken in this first round. Russell, let's talk about this raw label. And you know, I think there's another Auburn Tiger that we'll talk about in a moment that has that label on him as well. But Sometimes it seems like it's a good thing to the NFL, and sometimes there's players where it seems like it's a bad thing. Uh, why is that, and, and how does that apply to Noah? It's, I think it's just it's a good thing because NFL coaches always view it as, hey, I can get this guy, I trust our staff, I'm going to be able to develop this guy, and then they either end up doing it or they end up not doing it. And more often than not, it seems like they don't do it. Um, but also it leads to, well, He's still raw. We are in win-now mode. We don't really need a value pick. We need a guy that can help A1. It just depends on the circumstances of that organization and, and why they are taking that player or why they're not. So I think that's really what it boils down to. And, and for Iggy's case, I think that's going to be kind of the blend of, of teams. Are we in a win-now mode? Can he help, help us win today? Or we, we, we don't really care that much that he's not going to help us from day one, he's going to be a special teamer, don't get me wrong, but is he going to necessarily help from day one? And I think that's really where the, the mix is. So um, it's really going to be interesting for sure on, on him and his overall value. All right, let's move on to uh, to Marlon Davidson. Uh, like Igmanogany, he's he's been mocked as high as a, a late first-round pick. Um, you've got him as your, as your sixth defensive tackle. Um, it's interesting to me that you have him listed as a defensive tackle instead of a defensive end, um, and, and he's your your 58th overall player, so kind of right there next to Noah. Um, what do you what do you think about Marlon? Could he sneak into the first round? He could. I mean, the, the, the tapes against LSU were, were pretty good. I mean, he had some good games, some high points this season where he was moving guys out of the frame. He was just knocking guys down and, and just being clear at the line of scrimmage, which is very odd to see. But 
the biggest concern, and, and this is something Christian Fade, you guys know very well, my, and myself, we've talked about on our draft podcast quite a bit, um, and, and just through Texas, what is he? What's he going to play? Because he's being mocked in the first round as a defensive end, as an edge rusher, and I just, I don't see an edge rusher. I don't see a guy that's, that's going to be rushing off the edge at 6-3-3-0-3. I think he's more of that interior defensive lineman um, with not great length, but good enough length. He's got good overall size. He's got a, a good frame to him where you can plug him inside as a three technique, and I think you can get immediate results. Now, if he plays in an odd front and he moves to maybe a little bit more of a four-eye and maybe plays kind of that Chris Jones role that he does for the Chiefs, I think you could see some similar production. But remember, Chris Jones is an athletic freak. He's 6'6". Marlon Davidson, I think there's some limitations there. So it's just more so, what is he? And I'm more comfortable taking this guy on the second day of the draft rather than the first day of the draft. But teams in the back end, they might realize, hey, we're not going to get this guy on our second turn, so let's just take him now and we'll take one of the deeper positions like receiver or defensive back on our second turn. You know, maybe a team like the Chiefs or, or maybe a team like the Packers or, or even a team like the 49ers. So it just really depends on how teams are valuing that because if you know you're not getting them on the second turn, you might just roll the dice. And especially if you're a team that's winning, like the 49ers, then it makes sense. But uh, I like him at defensive tackle again. And, and sixth overall player at the position is, I think, a, a really fair for him. And I think it, it's where his best value is going to be. And I think that's where the best upside is for him. We'll continue our conversation with Russell Brown with CoverOne.net, talking all Auburn prospects and his big board next, right here on Locked on Auburn. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked on College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked on College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Russ, let's look at Prince Tego Wanogo, obviously the offensive tackle. You have him as the ninth tackle and the 67th overall player. So my understanding with how this draft is, is there's three top tackles, and there's kind of a big drop-off. Michael in the studio is telling me four top tackles, and there's a big drop-off. So how does that affect uh, Prince Tega? I don't think it affects him too much. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, in great length, 6'5", 308. He's a natural athlete, and you see it on tape. I mean, he's a former soccer player, former basketball player. Um, he just he's a, he's a natural athlete, and he picked up football late in his, in his life, and he's a natural at it. Um, I don't think it's going to necessarily hurt his value. Now, I don't know if he's going to be a, a home run steal of a pick, but teams that missed out on the, the top four. I mean, you talk, you talk about Miami all the time. They need offensive tackles. Well, if they don't take Andrew Thomas or Kedrick Wills or, or Tristan Wirfs or Makai Beckett at five, and none of them are there at 18 or – or at 26, and they don't feel like they should roll the dice on an Ezra Cleveland or an Austin Jackson, who I have ranked higher than Prince, well, then they should just maybe consider on the second day of the draft with that 56th overall pick, okay, we'll take Prince, we'll, we'll put him in an offensive line, um, and he could start right away. I think he needs a little bit of time to, to just get the speed of the game down and understand that, hey, I'm playing, again, he played in the SEC, so I know it's very talented, but he can learn the game a little bit better, get some of that experience from a veteran offensive lineman, and I think by year two you're going to see immediate results. I don't know if you're going to see necessarily all pro results, but I think you could see good 
good positive play from him. And again, 32 career starts for him. So he's an experienced player in 49 games at Auburn. So I like Prince. I'm certainly more comfortable with him in that second, third round of this draft rather than in the first round. And, and for a team that's going to miss out on that top offensive back, I think he's a good alternate. So we've talked about four players so far. And you think that all four of these guys are first or second round picks and that Auburn could have, you know, realistically as many as uh, a three first round picks if Noah and Marlon can can slide into that late first round area, depending on what happens? I, I think you, you know, first, second, third, I think certainly some players are going to fall into that third round category. Um, if, if there is going to be that one, it would probably be Prince, just simply, again, because if we see a run on receivers, running backs, um, and potentially uh, edge rushers or defensive backs in the second round, then it might push him down a little bit. But again, I think in a late first round, he makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think certainly, yeah, Marlon, Iggy, those could be guys, and obviously Derek Brown, those guys have the, the possibility of being in that first round mix or early second round mix for sure. And then uh, let's look at... Jack Driscoll, the other tackle. This is a guy that I think as soon as the offseason started, I don't think Auburn fans expected to hear a whole lot from him. I, I talked with Christian Page um, that, that you work with at CoverOne.net, Russell, and, and he was very high on Driscoll. We talked right before the combine. And he's like, hey, this is a guy to keep an eye on. He may be you know, a riser going from a, you know, late day three to early day three. And it seems like you think pretty highly of him as well. You have him as the 12th best tackle in this draft class and the 101st overall player. What do you like about Driscoll? I'm in very much agreement with Christian on this one. And it, it's, you know, 6'5", 306, natural athlete at right tackle. He might not blow the, the, the doors off the combine, but his lower body quickness, his footwork is, is actually really solid. And that's it's consistently put him in position to be a positive right tackle for the Auburn Tigers in 46 career starts. I mean, he's had, you know, 38 at right tackle, 8 at guard. So he's got some versatility there where I think he could play a little bit inside. Probably a best shooter at right guard or right tackle. But I, I like the consistent base. I think, you know, the, the kick slide is what is, is key with him with that footwork. So I, I certainly think Christian's right in the fact that he probably was a, a middle to late day three guy in that fifth, sixth round. And there's a chance we see him go in the, in the middle or early part of fourth round, uh, just simply because of there, there could be some need there. Some teams could view him as a value. And when we talk about trusting the tape, so many teams are going back to the tape now because they didn't get these pro days and these, these workouts with players and getting to really see stuff up close and personal. Driscoll's going to be a guy when you look at the tape, it's pretty consistent. So I think consistency is going to be key throughout this draft process. Driscoll's been consistent and I think it's going to be something that pushes them up some boards. As far as value goes, Russell, would you rather have Driscoll as a mid-fourth rounder or Tega as a mid-second rounder? Oh, I, I would. Uh, that's a tough one. I, I think I would probably just take Prince simply because I think the athletic ability is a little bit greater. Um, I, I think he's a, a little bit more functional, you know, more functional strength. Um, I, I, and I think him at the left side brings a little bit more value to him overall. Um, I don't know if you know Prince necessarily has the the speed to match all of the speed rushers in today's game on the left side, but I think he could be a fit certainly on the right side as well. So it, it's close, but I think Prince is, is a little bit of a step ahead for me. Awesome, man. Well, Russell, thank you so much. Where can people find all of your stuff? You're putting out a lot of content these days. 
Yeah, find me on Twitter at RussNFLDraft. You can go to CoverOne.net, find the uh, big board uh, with over 150 player profiles in depth. Uh, it's a free download. Feel free to download it. Give me your feedback again on Twitter at RussNFLDraft. Enjoy the draft, and I look forward to uh, Thursday night for sure. All right, good stuff from Russ. Yeah, uh, I have it downloaded on my phone, and that will definitely be uh, – that's kind of what I'm going to be using to monitor the draft mm-hmm. when I watch it on Thursday night. So, um, yeah, head over to CoverOne.net. I uh, I found it through his Twitter profile. He mentioned that Russ uh, Russ Brown NFL Draft, I believe is a uh, Russ NFL Draft. Excuse me, Russ NFL Draft, and uh, yeah, it's one of his more recent tweets. And there's a link to it, and then there's a yeah, the downloadable PDF is on CoverOne.net. So. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. Always, uh, always love talking draft and some Auburn prospects. Auburn's going to have a good haul this year, and you know we didn't mm-hmm. get to some late round guys. Like I think Javaris Davis is going to get drafted. Mm-hmm. I think Jeremiah Denton has a chance. Um, I, I mean, I think there's a handful of guys um, that are going to really. Um, Daniel Thomas got invited to the combine. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know I don't know if he's going to get taken, but I really like JJ Wilson, and I like um, I like Sal Canella. I think they're going to like Sal's size. Mm-hmm. And he had some ridiculous catches. You know, were, were they inconsistent at times? Sure, but his highs were really, really high. So I'm curious to see if Sal Canella could kind of be the Chandler Cox of this year, that seventh-round pick where you're like, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. Speaking of Chandler Cox, what about Spencer and I? I don't know if he'll get Friend drafted. Of the program? Yeah, I don't know if he'll get drafted, but, I mean, uh, teams teams that use a fullback can all, I mean – there aren't that many of them anymore, but they find them in really odd places now. So maybe, uh, maybe we'll see Spencer Knight go start thumping people in the NFL. I love it. The Swiss Army Knight NFL edition. Where can people find you and hear you, friend? Uh, follow me on Twitter at CouchPapTato. Follow me on Twitter at Z Blackerby. The show on Twitter at Locked On Auburn and on Instagram at Auburn Podcast. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Locked On Auburn. Let's get it! It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.